The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba House of Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. And I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Yes, and here we are on another Tuesday from 3 to 4 p.m. talking about all things real estate and mortgage related. A beautiful Tuesday outside. Oh, isn't it lovely? Finally. It's so fantastic outside. You know, last week, we had one warm day last week, and it was mm-hmm. the first time, I think, in 164 days in this city that we'd gotten above 60 degrees. So I think Did you look that up because you day. have an exact number? Yeah, it was 164. <laughs> okay. For I, sure. Know, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. don't... I don't track things like that. I, I know a lot of people who've been suffering through our winter this mm-hmm. year and yeah. just struggling with it. Oh, I don't mind. But, I don't, I don't have know, that same issue. 50 degrees is short pants weather. 60 degrees is tank top weather around here. Oh, that's true. I've already seen lots of people running around in their sandals and flip-flops. Oh, yeah. And I'm just oh, yeah. like, okay, my feet can't handle that. Yeah. But well, let's see. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, we're not here just to talk about the weather. Well, no. No. This, and as a matter of fact, uh, this is a live call-in show. It is. And if you have questions for us or our guests today, you can reach us toll-free at 866 712 1300. Mm-hmm. And do we want to mention what our guest is here about? Absolutely. We're going to okay. be talking about bankruptcy yeah a really fun subject yeah super, super fun, fun. Thrilling. <laughs> yeah that's right yeah so stay tuned yes. don't drive off the road yes yes we have we have a wonderful person uh taryn darling from the impact law group she's going to be here talking to us about that if you were listening to our promos this last week this is really not book club no this is not book i think club. we might have said book club yeah. we're reading chapters seven, seven eleven and thirteen <laughs> correct today. Yes, but we are actually talking about bankruptcy, but we're all, we're going to come at it from a couple of good angles because it's not only like, what is it and why would somebody have to consider it? But as you and I have mentioned a few times, talking from the lending side of things, it's relevant to our world in real estate and mortgage because Absolutely. people who had gone through these situations in the, you know, the recession are really kind of at a place right now where they're starting to come out of the maybe the hard times that they've been through because our market right. has changed so significantly. That's right. And and a lot of people believe that, okay, once I've done this, I have mm-hmm. to wait seven years before I can right. buy a home. Not true. Not yeah. true. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about today. that for sure. But we also still want to just make sure that people understand it because I think there's still a lot of question out there. What is it? Why is it? Can you even still do it? Because at one point they changed a lot of the rules around it. Right. And I think a lot of people think it's not an option anymore if perhaps they need it. So uh, especially since I know I've had a lot of friends recently who've been through a lot of medical issues, I think in some cases it's a, it's a valid thing to consider. So There's some life events that are mm-hmm. unavoidable and yeah. that's what the, the law is here for. It's, it's there to, you know, to, to help get a person out of those situations mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. Yeah. So, so yeah, we need to talk about that and the, the good and the bad and good, and bad, the, the ugly. And there you go. 
That's you know, right. All that kind of good stuff. So but if we have listeners who want to weigh in, obviously we do have the phone number, 866-712-1300. But I'm logging into Facebook and Twitter right now as well. So if you want to jump in on social media and have any questions, we do not have Jennifer in the studio with us. So we will not be doing Facebook Live today. Oh, thank heavens. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, but if they do want to weigh in, at least with some questions here and there, they can oh, certainly good. do that. If they're too too uh, afraid to make a call, we can certainly take it in a different avenue. Absolutely. Always we can take them offline. We get that yeah. quite often, actually. So mm-hmm. people have questions. And, and I, you know, as we often say, every person's situation is a story problem. Yes, they are. Some of them are a little bit more complex with more chapters than others. And some are horror stories. <laughs> And some are really nice little... That's right, but we all want them to have a good, nice ending. Yes, yes. We try and get them to a happy ending. That's right. Yes. That's right. (laughs) So speaking Speaking of happy endings... Right. (laughs) You want an update on interest rates? I would like to know what happened after last week because we'd actually had a bit of a spike last week. Yeah, we had had a... uh, It's it's all sort of interesting, but Friday, Mm -hmm. uh, a Fed uh, chairman came out and scared the markets up. You know, so we saw rates go up a little Not bit. Not your favorite gal? Someone no, else? It, this is another one. Okay. And, um, but, but also simultaneously in what hit all the press was um, our um, bombing in Syria. Yes. Yeah, that's a big and, news. And there's a combination of things going on with that. There's, there's mm-hmm. the situation in Syria, but there's also the situation in North Korea, which appears to be heating up just a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and, and when we have... Um, unsettling events happening in other right. parts of the world, investors flock mm-hmm. here. We get yep. what's called flight to safety investing. So mm-hmm. foreign investors will come here, buy our U.S. Treasury bonds, yeah. and it's supply and demand. So the more people buying our bonds, it actually pushes interest rates down. Right. So as a consequence of North Korea and Syria, mm-hmm. which makes yeah. No sense for a person sitting in a house in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, rates are lower. As a matter of fact, uh, today we hit the lows uh, for 2017. So it's oh, the lowest really? we've been all year. Uh, wow. Now, okay, we- that's relatively good news. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it, it's, it's all good. I mean, um, the, the thing is that, It's good if you're um, buying a house. It's a little scary if you're hoping to, you know... Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Considering that Seattle is the closest metropolitan city to uh, North Korea. Yeah. So there is is that. But um, will my house survive? (laughs) Well, yeah, I I don't think the uh, the uh, yeah, I don't think anything they've got over there can make it this far at this point. So knock on wood. We're we're okay. Yeah. So uh, but but yeah, so we we have all these political events affecting interest rates. And it's one of those uh, mortgage is one of those few things in life where politics will absolutely affect the amount of the check you have to write every month for your mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's uh, if it's news that's good for people, that's mm-hmm. bad for interest rates. If it's news that's bad for people, that tends to be good for interest rates. Right. Anything that causes the economy to grow, more jobs being created, or possibly mm-hmm. inflation, uh, that will tend to kick interest rates up. You know, bad news, mm-hmm. uh, layoffs, yep. uh, un- unease, things like that. Consumer confidence falling will tend to cause rates to fall. So right now we have a little bit of both. And, uh, you know, we have some strange things going on with a couple of these despots, uh, you know, around mm-hmm. the world. On, on the other side of it, we have a pretty strong economy. 
and and things yes, are, are cooking right along. So you're meaning for us, for, just for, for our for our U.S. economy, yeah. you know, as a whole. Okay. So um, you know that combination of things is keeping rates pretty much in check here. We're we're up or down, give or take a, an eighth of a percent or a quarter of a percent. But today, uh, the the uh, the sort of our our best rates, standard thirty year fixed rate conforming loans, we're hovering just an inch above four okay. percent, right around four point one two five percent. Uh, FHA and VA rates are around 3.75%, so nice. under the 4% nice. mark. Okay. 15-year fixed rates are hovering around 3.375%. Mm-hmm. And, and their shorter-term loans, adjustable rate loans, like a 5- or a 7-year loan, those are in the 35 to 3 and 3 quarter percent range. Okay. So, you know, there's, they're, they're looking pretty good right now. Um, yeah, they sound really good. Yeah. With that said, tomorrow's a new day. <laughs> And we, we never know what to expect down the right. road, but but for now, it's it's looking pretty good. Okay. Well, I'm happy to hear that there's at least some good rates going on, because as you know, we taught a class this last weekend, mm-hmm. and that was one of the big questions was, what's going on? Because right before the weekend, we'd seen them kind of pop up, up a little bit. So. Right. But remember what I said at the class? Yes. I but said, tell our listeners. The Fed, the Fed scared us. Yes. And cause the rates to rise. Mm-hmm. But I was expecting a flight to safety investing right. on Friday, which would, uh, because of the Syrian situation, which should have put rates lower. Right. And it and did. And that seemed it, to have worked out. Right. It did. Yeah. It did. It, it happened. Um, it didn't happen until until yesterday, but it did mm-hmm. happen. So, uh, yeah. So it's, it's uh, so far this week, we've got a little bit of downward pressure on interest rates. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're happy. We're happy it's there. So if you're out there looking right now, you may want to start. Uh, turning up the heat behind your search yeah. and putting your offers in. I know we've we've actually had a lot of people really on the fence. Mm. We, I mean, I've got, uh, in fact, we're starting to have to find new and interesting ways to find listing opportunities you know, or, or sale opportunities for some of our buyers because a lot of them are still kind of sitting on the fence, hoping there's going to be new inventory coming on. And mm-hmm. we still just aren't seeing that. You know, the, the market still. from a listing perspective is uh, – uh, it's not bleak. It's just that even though we're going into what is typically our high season, yeah, pending sales are still far outpacing. What's up with the, that? And 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 you were telling me mm-hmm. that there's like a gazillion realtors out in the marketplace <laughs> right now. It feels like too. a gazillion, right? And but a lot like, of newbies at that. A lot of new yeah. ones coming yeah. coming into the market, or people who had their license before who've renewed their license again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it we're really seeing the replay of 2006. Right now, it's like it's 10 years later. It's as though none of those people learned anything the first mm-hmm. time they got in the industry. And the, the the issue is, you know, I was even just looking at numbers in my own office. There's a huge disparity between who's really doing the business out there. Right there. I mean, there's those of us who are in the top 20 of our office who are doing multiple deals a month. And then there's people who in the last four months have sold a house. Right, right. And that's true across the land. So, yeah, that happens you a know, lot. about 10% of us are doing about 90% well, of the deals that are out there. And, and you really need to be, co- you know, checking with your realtor if, you, if mm-hmm. you're out there in the market. I was sitting with one of my loan officers this morning, mm-hmm. and they have a client who's pre approved. Uh, the realtor is putting together an offer for a home they're interested in. Mm-hmm. And there, we know there's going to be at least uh, four offers on this home. Yeah. The, the offers are being reviewed tomorrow, mm-hmm. so there's going to be the the feeding frenzy oh, yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. And That's this realtor, ongoing. this realtor says, "Oh yeah, we're we're looking good. You know, we're going to go in twenty five hundred dollars over the asking price, and uh, and we're going to give them ten thousand dollars earnest money, and we're going to do a closing in thirty days." 
and and I'm kind of shaking my head like, like that's they're not, not going to get it. It's yeah. not enough. In fact, the guy. So I just came from a three hour class. Um, there's a transaction document system that we use inside of our MLS. I just was in three hours of classes learning new things that are you know supposed to help us be more effective and move more quickly through our transactions. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy sitting next to me, who's another big uh, production person in our office besides me, he has a offer review today. And it's a house that's over in West Seattle that's on the market at five and a quarter. They've already got five offers. And one of them has gone at least up to six and a quarter. Wow. So, you know, we're still seeing a lot of this frenzy, but, you know, it's not every single property. You know, that's it's it's the weird dichotomy of what's happening in our marketplace is like that house has to be in one of those really popular areas in really, really great condition, or it's got to be very appealing to maybe a flipper or Mm -hmm. investor or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's in a redevelopment zone, but, um, there, you know, there's just, there's some other opportunities out there. And as you know, we've been trying to find some of those, but we'll talk about that a little bit more when we come back on open house with team Reba. We'll be back in just a few moments with Taryn Darling from Impact Law Group. If you'd like to call into the show, now's your chance. It's 866-712-1300. Now back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank. And I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba. And we're here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock with information on real mm-hmm. estate and finance. And today yeah. uh, we have Taryn Darling, who's a partner with the Impact Law Group. Welcome and welcome for thanks for joining us, Taryn. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we've got lots of questions about you. Now, I know you specialize in bankruptcy and litigation. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice. Yeah, so I'm at a small firm, the Impact Law Group, and we are a full-service boutique, so to speak. So we have quite a few litigators, and I am the only bankruptcy-slash-litigation partner. So I focus on bankruptcy, consumer, or commercial, and I I love to phrase it as, anytime there's a liquidity challenge, I'm your girl. Got it. Okay. Okay, so if we think um, poor liquidity, think Taryn. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. I think go to the bar and get a right. better bartender. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yes, it's a whole different kind of terminology. First, and then right. you go talk to someone who's, who has some experience. In, in there the you go. <laughs> all right. That all joking aside. Sorry about that. But um, okay. So I'm just for our listeners, I'm going to mention you and I, uh, you know, a lot of the people who come on the show have some kind of uh, working relationship or business relationship mm-hmm. or past relationship or friendship or whatever it might be with either Eric or myself. And, uh, you know, so full disclosure, listeners. So Taryn was a client of mine years ago when I helped sell a, a house of hers down in Judkins Park kind of area. And uh, so, actually over the years. So knowing that you did bankruptcy, uh, you've actually referred a couple of clients to me who have, have have been through challenges. In fact, actually, just last week, we just closed one of those in a short sale for a gal who'd been through a bankruptcy several years ago. And so now we have, you know, literally that monkey off her back, so to speak, you know, it, it took a couple of years to get there. Um, But that's not uncommon. No. And part one of the reasons that I refer clients on to Reba in that situation is there aren't 
a ton of real estate agents that are very familiar with the Deed of Trust Act and the foreclosure mm-hmm. statute. Right. And what happens if if you have a homeowner who is in a position where he or she is going to be foreclosed in their property. Right. The deed of trust statute triggers, and they, if there's one mortgage on the house, mm-hmm. there's we have an anti-deficiency statute. So through the deed of trust foreclosure, there will be no deficiency. So right. if the home goes to foreclosure, sells for $400,000, they own $600,000 on the note, the lender won't come after them for that $200,000 deficiency. But if you do a short sale, mm-hmm. that provision in the deed of trust statute isn't activated. So many homeowners are unaware of that. I think right. many real estate agents are unaware yeah. of that. They go through the True. short sale, and these homeowners have essentially waived their right to get rid of the deficiency. Now, Reba is an educated real estate agent who knows the ins and outs, and that's why I refer clients in that position, because I know you'll negotiate to right. get what they would have gotten under the deed of trust statute. Right. And then there's, of course, if they have more than one lien against the property, there's a lot of other complications. You have to get people signing off saying that there is uh, that there are zero deficiencies, basically, and that they're that's not right. going to come after them, because there's a bunch of timelines associated with that a lot of people um, thought during the recession when we were doing short sales uh, you know I knew of other agents who who didn't take the same level of coursework that we did and they were signing off all kinds of short sales with multiple liens and I'm you know we're kind of at that time clock right now where some of those are coming up where if somebody wanted to try and come after those funds from a former homeowner yeah. like those could start showing up yes. about now, you know, cause there was a, a period right. of time where they were allowed up to six years and then the state of Washington changed it and moved it down to, I believe it was three years for some of that. But I mean, we're talking the stuff in 2009, 2010, that that's when they're kind of in their timeline of, of those things being able to, to still be rearing their ugly heads, yes. so to speak. Taryn, are you seeing any of that happening these days now that we've seen home values and everything coming up? Yeah. You know, I'm seeing in my own practice um, people, the positions where people were unable to pay their mortgages, mm-hmm. 2005, 2006 mortgages, mm-hmm. sure. still haven't been paying their mortgages. Mm-hmm. I think right. some of what's happened is the lenders have kind of stalled on the foreclosure, waiting yeah. for the market values to increase. Sure. Right. And so I'm now starting to see a little bit of activity. We're starting to see more foreclosures, more mm-hmm. you know motions for relief from stay in bankruptcy where they are right. moving affirmatively on the properties. Yeah. We have definitely seen a lot of lenders um, triggering those more regularly. And in fact, what's even more interesting is um, seeing some of them where they are calling them uh, accelerated. Have you also seen that? Yeah, I've seen a little bit of that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of short sales, but I just want to make sure our listeners knew that, you know, Taryn and I have known each other. We have had some working relationship. It's not, you know, it's a, as it works out and when it's appropriate, you know, that kind of thing. But um, the reason we wanted you to come on though is because there, I still find a lot of people just don't truly understand bankruptcy law and, you know, the uses of bankruptcy and the different kinds a bankruptcy, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, right? Or, so we, or they get mm-hmm. drawn into the late night cable oh, TV gosh. commercials and <laughs> oh, things like right. that, and, and look into uh-huh. things for all the wrong reasons, right? So, yeah. Yeah, tell us a little bit. I mean, what are some some basic a uh, basic primer for somebody that's maybe contemplating uh, bankruptcy, or, or or where where will it benefit them? Well, 
I mean, first and foremost, bankruptcy is a terrible word. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think we yeah. we evoked that when we started talking about it a little bit. You say bankruptcy to someone, and they go, "Oh my gosh, I don't need your help, mm-hmm. and I don't ever want your help, and please don't talk to me about it." Right? Yeah. Um, but the truth of the matter is, bankruptcy can provide a really nice remedy or a fresh start for somebody mm-hmm. who's really cobbled and burdened with debt. Right. Um, some of the reasons people file bankruptcy, I think Reba had mentioned one of them. Medical debt is a primary reason. Uh, divorce, where you have dual income households that are splitting mm-hmm. into single mm-hmm. income right. households. Um, Ill- we already said medical illness. Um, student loans actually are kind of driving people towards bankruptcy because they're not finding a lot of relief for student loans. Now, the student loans themselves are not dischargeable. Okay, I wondered. I, I didn't think they were. But, no, but accepting okay. ability to establish a hardship, which is fairly challenging to do. Mm-hmm. However, if you're un, if you're paying your student loans, you can't pay your credit cards, you can't pay your mortgage. Got it. All of these issues could mm-hmm. potentially be remedied okay. in bankruptcy. Um, there are a couple of different kinds of bankruptcy. Most common for consumers is a Chapter 7, mm-hmm. which is considered um, a liquidation bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So... Any any family that comes to me, they're entitled to certain exemptions. So a household of three is entitled to certain exemptions in either mm-hmm. bankruptcy. That a household of family, a household of three, is deemed to have necessary for their livelihood. Okay. So that can include a little bit of equity in a house. Okay. In Washington, the homestead exemption is one hundred and twenty-five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and that's over and above what they owe on a mortgage loan. Okay. So that's equity. Equity. Okay. Okay. Because a lot of a lot of homeowners think, oh, I have some equity in my house, particularly now where the values are up, so I can't file a bankruptcy or I'll lose my house. Mm. That's what I wondered. Okay. Yeah. So because a lot of people are very afraid that that is exactly what's going to happen, and yeah. I've I've always heard just only because I'm ancillary to that part of that industry is that you can hold a house within or outside of. A bankruptcy. Well, the assets usually come into the bankruptcy, but okay. but the the quick calculation on this sort of thing is if they do have equity in their house, mm-hmm. a fair amount of equity, mm-hmm. then you take the home value mm-hmm. less uh, less 10% for cost of sale, estimate okay. cost of sale if the trustee sure. had to sell a house, sure. and then less the secured debt. Okay. And then whatever's left over, if it's $125,000 or under, then they can reasonably keep their home through a bankruptcy in in either a Chapter 7 or a Chapter 13 or a Chapter 11. Got it. Um, Chapter 13, if they're, let's give a hypothetical that they're $150,000 in exemption. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, in value over and above Mm -hmm. what is owed to the the secured creditors. Then you have $25,000 worth of unexempted asset. We might say, okay, a trustee is interested in taking the unexempted asset, so that would be $25,000 value. If you can't pay that immediately, we can put you in a Chapter 13 on a 60-month payment plan, and you can pay that $25,000 over 60 months and keep your home. And and just to to show that comparison, so Chapter 7 is pretty much a full discharge of of the debts you're sort of you know the the um the owner they're walking away from that they're not having to repay anything in in theory at least in most circumstances so chapter 13 is a repayment plan so that's let's say you've got that twenty five thousand dollars that's not exempt in equity you're paying that to the court and then the court will be distribute that 
um, amongst uh, the, the credit Your remaining creditors. creditors. Okay. That's right. So if um, if you have a hundred thousand dollars in debt, generally mm -hmm. unsecured debt, we'll just mm -hmm. make it very simple: non-student loan unsecured debt. In a Chapter 7, if you qualify for the Chapter 7, you exempt the assets that are deemed reasonably necessary to have. And then at the end of that three to four month period, you get your discharge mm -hmm. and it wipes away that $100,000 in debt. And you're able to keep all of the unexempt, all of the exempted items. Got it. In a Chapter 13, there are a couple of reasons why you might file a Chapter 13. Mm -hmm. One of them being that you have this ability to pay over time for mm -hmm. an asset that you don't want to liquidate. Okay, yeah. Um, another being you have a tax debt and or or some sort of debt where the creditor is garnishing your wages and you have to pay the creditor back but you don't want you can't afford to do it in 30 months so you can spread it out over a 60 month period okay a primary reason for the chapter 13 let's say you have your mortgage mm -hmm. you weren't able to pay your mortgage for the past 2 years you haven't been foreclosed on you've got a job right now and you have an ability to pay but you can't cure the $60,000 you're behind this month, right. we can put you in a Chapter 13 and give you 60 months to make that payment and catch up. Got it. So by if the they've already, I'm sorry. Oh, no. If they've already triggered a foreclosure action, is there still an opportunity to file for that? To stop and the foreclosure? Yeah. yeah, the foreclosure hasn't taken place yet. The, mm -hmm. the auction has not, no. Just Certainly. the notice of trustee sale yes. has been applied. That's one of the most effective reasons to file mm -hmm. a bankruptcy. You file that bankruptcy. On the date that it's filed, the foreclosure has to stop. Okay, we need to talk after the show. <laughs> <laughs> not for right. me. I have no, somebody. No, I, no yeah, seriously, yeah. I have someone who, uh, if they've been through a bankruptcy prior... Is that still an op opportunity for them? Yeah, particularly with a Chapter 13. So there's okay. a timeline about, you know, their rules. You can't get another discharge if you've gotten a right. discharge previously in mm -hmm. the past seven years. However, if they got a discharge in a Chapter 7, they don't want a discharge in the 13, yeah. but they want the ability to cure their mortgage. That, That's certainly we do a need reason to, talk. to do so. We absolutely do need to talk. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of uh, ins and outs. I know we've seen situations where we have more than yeah, multiple bankruptcies filed, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk more with Taryn Darling with the Impact Law Group on bankruptcy and some of the ins and outs of that. Stay tuned and call us if you got questions, 866-712-1300. Got a question? Call it in, 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hassa, Team Reba, REMAX Metro East Side. And I'm Eric Austin from Home Street Bank. Yes, and we're... Mine's so much easier to say. Well, that's why I only do mine twice a show. <laughs> I do it whenever I, I am the intro coming Remax in. REMAX Metro East Side. Team Reba of REMAX Team Metro East Reba, Side. Team Reba, REMAX Metro East It rolls East off Side. the tongue once you figure it out. Say that three times really fast. <laughs> yeah. Yours is just as bad when you do the whole full home street loan, blah, blah, blah. You know, you got a <laughs> big old long name, too. I don't know what you're giving me a hard time about. Well, I say it fast. Well, you also, <laughs> you know, your your last name is H-A-A-S. Correct. My, Thank you for spelling it right. My last name is A-A-S-N-E-S-S. <laughs> yes. You, Thank you pronounce for the spelling yours lesson. incorrectly. No. It's no, no. Haas. 
No. And my last no, no. name is Osnes. No, no, no. I don't call you Asnes. I know. <laughs> you know, I had the same kind of conversation with a teacher named Miss Saab when yeah, I was a child. Exactly. And she Saab, lost. Like the car. Because yeah, as I told her, I said, I don't Saab. call you Miss Saab just because that's, you know, yours is spelled with two A's <laughs> like mine. Yeah. Hey, if people want to remember how to say my name correctly... Yeah. They can just follow the the rule I have, and okay. I'm not swearing here. I'm All just right. saying, just remember my family, Leave the way we pronounce it. We're a pain in the hass. Hass, like the avocado. Just, yeah. Okay. Except for everyone misspells that one, too. They, you see a H-A-A-S and H-A-S-S, because nobody can figure it out. Yeah. Well. But that's okay. I don't mind. I just keep All repeating right. myself. Good. Okay. I'll just keep repeating myself. <laughs> <laughs> One Until you get it right. What? Yeah, no. I'm Until you get it right. There you go, Mr. Well, Osnes. Yeah, no, I know how to pronounce it correctly, but uh, that's but the point. But you still love giving that's me a hard point. time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. I'm glad we went off on that redirect. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> it's my job, ma'am. So why we are here right now is because we're still talking with Taryn Darling of Impact Law Group. Yes. And we're, we're discussing, you know, maybe we needed to get a little lighthearted. You know, we start talking about <laughs> bankruptcy. People get a little tense thinking about oh, things sure. like this because, you know, usually something not so pleasant has typically, you know, happened ahead of, you know, someone having to consider these types of things. That's and right. maybe for years. Yeah. You know, maybe for years because that is one of the things that um, – I noticed in the recession, and this was in also in a lot of the training that I went through at that time, many people, you know, I always say if there's fear, the answer is no. And when people are afraid and and full of fear, they, they will shut down. It's just an emotional thing because there's, a, you know, f- you know, fight or flight or freeze. Yeah. And, and when it comes to some of this high emotion type stuff, uh, most people will just kind of start to shut down. And one of the things that we always noticed um, in many of the homes that I walked into where something like this might be occurring was uh, the pileup of the mail. You know, people don't want to even open their mail anymore right. because yeah. they're afraid of bad news. They don't answer their phone anymore because they're afraid calls. of the collections calls, mm-hmm. things of that nature. And here's one of the frightening stats that happened during the recession was that um, roughly... 80 some percent of the people who lost their homes didn't know they had other options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why now bank statements come with a lot of extra pages. Right. To notify people of their options. And bankruptcy is usually one of the things that's listed. Right. Yeah. And you made me think of something, Reba. We call it the ostrich. You know, mm-hmm. people have got their yeah. head in the sand, they mm-hmm. boxing their ears. They exactly. really don't want to think about it. But yeah. the consequence of not thinking about it is you miss yes. possible solutions mm-hmm. that exist. It, yes. You know, by fear, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. That issue. And one of the one of the recurring problems I see sometimes is people struggle on their own before going to talk to someone. Yeah. They liquidate their 401ks or yes. their IRAs, yes. which are entirely protected for right. whatever value they are yes. in a bankruptcy. And and they liquidate that. And in a short sale. And, and in a short sale. And they liquidate an asset like that that's meant to protect their retirement, which... Which to that point, when we said that you had a, a recent client that I worked with, that's one of the things that happened. She yeah. she had a loan that never should have been given to her, and she had worked her entire career at Group Health, 
And I ended up liquidating. In fact, she was starting to borrow from uh, friends and family to make her mortgage payments. Yes. And I mean, it's, it's painful. I mean, she's in her 60s now and she's now living on Social Security on about 26000 a year and $24 a month in uh, food stamps. And, you know, those are the things that hurt my heart. You know, like I, it makes me do what I do with such passion because I try to be a strong advocate for people. Um, but when I see that that's where someone has gone to because they didn't know their options, right. that's, you know, it, it's a big, big driver for me to try and prevent those things from happening yeah. as much as I can. So if there's somebody out there right now that's in kind of stressing about this right now, mm-hmm. the debts are piling up and they're, they're maybe facing that possibility. Mm-hmm. Or I don't they know, know someone. I don't know if I'm going to be able to kind of keep, keep going at this. Mm-hmm. Is there a, a certain level of debt that would, you know, that would make somebody eligible for bankruptcy? Mm-hmm. And if so, what's the best course of action for them? Well, you know, I'd say the simple rule of thumb is if they can't pay their ongoing liabilities, mm-hmm. then it, and if they're just servicing interest on debt mm-hmm. and working to pay interest, mm-hmm. we don't have debtor's prison in this country. Right. And we don't have debtor's prison because we, as a legislative community, believe that you know, you're far more motivated to work for your family mm-hmm. and to advance yourselves and provide for your retirement if you're not working to pay interest-only debt for the rest right. of your life. So, I, you know, I think the, the, easy, the easy question or the easy answer is ask yourself, am I servicing more than just interest on my debt? And if I'm not, is it, can I expect to do so in the mm-hmm. reasonable future? Is it reasonable to expect right. that I'm getting a pay raise and I'll be able to sure. dig my out It might, out might depend this. on what part of your career you're in and yes. what career path you're following. Exactly. I mean, maybe I'm in school right now. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to pay it. But as soon as I get my degree, I'm mm-hmm. going to get a job and I'm going to be able to pay. Sure. Right. Um, so I think the first question is, can you, can you service more than just your debt? And if you can't, there really isn't, I mean, there are always options. So there, so you have a $3,000 debt that you can't get rid of that's been on the books for eight years and the interest that's accrued, the debt's now $7,000. A lot of these creditors will actually negotiate for pennies mm-hmm. on the dollar. Sure. You yes. want to be careful about doing that. There, mm-hmm. you know, you can have forgiveness of debt liability, tax liability. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, and this is also where we kind of get into some of the the, the the less reputable the the late night cable kind of things you yes. know don't let that bad creditor you know you know make you pay back the money that you borrowed you know mm-hmm. sign up with us and we're going to renegotiate your debt You're um, right. what Those what are people dangerous. don't understand when that happens is you it will affect your credit and there'll be a notation on your credit report mm-hmm. uh, that says that the creditor settled for less than what was owed well if 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 a new lender is looking at that customer f- at that point they want to borrow money again, what's the lender going to think? Hey, they didn't pay back the, the last creditor. Why should we lend to them? Right. So it increases your risk as a, as, a, as a creditor. So really, those things need to be, I mean, they're there for a reason, um, but, but they, they should not be abused. No, they really shouldn't be. And, yeah. I, and mm-hmm. I think my recommendation in that case is if you're thinking about it, go and talk to a reputable bankruptcy attorney. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, many, I don't, charge for intakes. I could, I do, mm-hmm. you know, 15 minute intakes and I can walk through and, and really assess whether mm-hmm. it would provide a remedy for someone or if they have, no, you have $300,000 of equity in a house. That means you have an ability to pay your creditors at least $300,000. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's think about other alternatives. Right. Got it. Yeah. Makes so sense. 
this is something I've, I don't think I've ever asked either you or anyone else within that arena. When someone goes through bankruptcy, are they required to also then uh, take any kind of classes to become more financially literate? Yeah, they the, are. The, well, the 2005 bankruptcy code amendments required um, two classes of debtor education okay. on the front end within 180 days of filing bankruptcy. And then on the back end, after you're about a month into bankruptcy, you take another follow-up class. How long does that take? The class doesn't take very long, mm. and it's a little bit of um, an exercise in, in futility from what I understand. My clients oh. have never come back to me and said, oh, I learned so much about how to handle debt now. It's such mm -hmm. a such a great option. Gosh, I'm really interested about that because one of the things that Eric and I, like when we just had our class this last week, what we find is that between like that class where we talk a lot about finance and credit specifically and how it works, and then also when we do the volunteer work for Washington State Housing Finance Commission classes, the people who take those classes up front, their potential for default goes way, way down. Oh, statistically lower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, that's a big part of, you know, what I also do in education is constantly working with people on financial literacy and also even in like people who own businesses, you know, a big part of what we run into is folks who just really aren't very financially savvy. I'm always kind of shocked sometimes. Well, they're good at their but, craft. Uh, right. But when you run yeah. it, when you open a business, now you have to be good at running a business and it's yeah. not the same skill set. No, it's, it's absolutely wow. not. It's absolutely not. And that's, that's one of the other ways people get to this is, you know, we have a lot of small business owners out there and small businesses rarely make it past the three to five year mark and sometimes not even past the first year. And that's also another reason why sometimes people have to go down this path because yes. when you start a business, um, what I've also noticed is a lot of people don't have enough savings set aside. So what is the first thing they do? They start pulling off their credit cards. They get a line of credit on their house. Maybe they borrow from friends and family and now things start piling up. Mm -hmm. And suddenly if that business didn't take off the way they thought, they're like, oh, whoops. That's not good. <laughs> so, and that's, that's one of the challenges, too, that I see with a lot of business owners is they don't quite realize mm -hmm. when they're signing up for a personal line of, I'm sorry, when they're signing up for a business line of credit, mm -hmm. that they've got personal guarantees yes. on all of that stuff as well. Yes. Always. I often have people call yeah. me and they go, well, I have an LLC, so that shields yeah. me personally nope. from liability. <laughs> no, and we doesn't. have to go, oh, no, it doesn't shield you personally. No. You have. Yeah. No. No. And no, I've dealt with short sales where SBA loans are attached on part of the liens. So yeah. yes, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, most most business accounts are they're going to be you know signing your personal assets as well, and you're guaranteeing it personally, so you're pretty yeah. much on the hook. Mm -hmm. That that is another primary reason that I have you know a, a lot of origination coming from small business owners mm -hmm. where the business didn't succeed and they've got mm -hmm. they're not really filing the business into a bankruptcy because the business has wound down but they have all of this personal liability that requires them to file interesting wow is that is that the majority of the business that you take it, in it's a fair amount of okay. the business for sure oh wow yeah. okay all right 
Well, that fall, so that's chapter, and that's going to fall under chapter 11, right? Not, not necessarily, necessarily, Eric. Okay, yeah, so not a, because it's a personal, that's where it gets kind of confused, right? Mm. Because they're filing for business reasons, but they're really filing because of personal liability. To protect their personal assets. That's okay. right. Got it. And Got that it. would be a 7 or a 13 in that case. Right. Sometimes at 11. Well, stay tuned. We're going to have more with Taryn Darling of the Impact Law Group and talking about bankruptcy here today in Open House of Team Reba. Call us if you got questions, 866-712-1300. Open House has open phone lines. Give us a call at 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Ostens from Home Street Bank. And I'm Reba Hess, keeping it short with just Team Reba. There you go. That's <laughs> way better. Team Reba. Does that make you happy? Yeah, okay. it does. And if you guys okay. have questions, you can always tweet at Team Reba mm-hmm. on Twitter or info at teamreba.com. Or if you mm-hmm. have a mortgage-related question, you can tweet me at Eric is my banker, or email me at uh, Eric at ericasmybanker.com. And thank you again, Taryn. So we're here with Taryn Darling for the Impact Law Group talking about bankruptcy. Before we get back to uh, some questions for yes. you, though, Taryn, there are some waiting periods um, mm-hmm. for a mortgage. So if you file bankruptcy in the past, you know I get this question all the time, how long do I have to wait before I can buy a home? And uh, I'll give you those answers. So, so the answers depend on the type of financing that we're offering. If it's a conventional mortgage, the standard waiting period is four years from the discharge of a bankruptcy. Um, if it's an FHA or a VA transaction, it's only a two-year waiting period. And, uh, and then there's even shorter time periods for that uh, for what we would call extenuating circumstances. So if a person can document, and the key is to document that they've had extenuating circumstances in their, in their, their situation, um, extenuating circumstances would be catastrophic events. That's going to be, typically it's going to be medical related or a significant loss of, of income mm-hmm. or, or loss of a job. Divorce, unfortunately, does not count as an extenuating circumstance. Which is unfortunate because a lot of people do come to us sometimes and ask specifically yep. about that. that. That's true. But if you have extenuating circumstances, the waiting periods can almost be cut in half. So for a conventional loan, it would be a two-year waiting period. For FHA or VA, it can be anywhere from one year to two years. And the other part is if there's a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, the waiting periods can be a little bit shorter as well. So for a conventional loan, it's typically going to be two years from the discharge of, of a Chapter 13 bankruptcy. FHA and VA, you can actually buy a home while you're still in the bankruptcy, um, provided that you can get approval from the court, uh, from the bankruptcy trustee. So, wow. so, so these waiting periods, it's not seven years um, like what most people believe really at the very worst case it's going to be four years so uh so that's kind of how that, that how that's that works. much shorter than we had yes. than i had anticipated yes. i mean i used to tell clients it was six years on average and then it would depend on your credit and of course, yeah. your income mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's interesting eric because one of the the issues with credit reporting actually or what we say is that 
and the research that I've done shows that some of the credit recovery takes place as of the date of the filing of the bankruptcy, mm-hmm. not necessarily on the discharge. And, and that's interesting because on the 13, you said, I think it's two, day, two years from discharge, not yes. from filing. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there, we, we have kind of four years from the dismissal date. Mm-hmm. Or two years from the discharge, so we can use sort of either either or on that. And when you say dismissal, do you mean closing of the bankruptcy? Yes, closing okay. of the bankruptcy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so so there is some flexibility, you know, out there, and a lot of folks are very surprised, you know, when we yes. tell them what yeah. these waiting periods are, because mm-hmm. they're going along thinking, oh man, I got to wait, you know, it's going to be a long, long time. But no, you can really get out there sooner. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said. Um, as a as a lender, anytime there's been a serious effects on credit, and let's face it, bankruptcy is pretty serious. Oh yeah. Um, we want to know that things since the bankruptcy have been fine. So we're going to pay very very close attention to a person's payment record after the bankruptcy is done, um, because if we see a continued pattern of, of possibly you know financial mismanagement or abuse of credit, you know post bankruptcy. You know, the, the, then the, the chances, you know, it, it makes it increasingly difficult mm-hmm. to get a loan because we're thinking, well, this person didn't really learn their lesson. Well, and that was one of the reasons why I asked if they had any kind of education that goes along mm-hmm. with it, because that is sometimes what I've seen. And I, I think one of the reasons they changed the laws before was there were people who just never quite got it and they just kept getting in trouble and then wiping their debts and then getting in trouble again and wiping their debts. Mm-hmm. And right. and then the rest of us basically pay for that in the form of High higher interest, interest rates. rates and mm-hmm. then you get kind of torqued off and you're like, hey, my credit right. score is at 805. What the hey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so okay, good. And uh, yeah, so sh- shorter, shorter waiting periods. Mm-hmm. So let's let, just do a real quick summary for us. You know, chapter yeah. seven, chapter thirteen, chapter eleven for businesses. Um, can you give us just like a quick rundown like a of that? Twenty second on each. Yeah. Okay, so I'll try. Um, so the chapter seven we talked about is is considered a liquidation. Mm -hmm. That means you have to, it's the quickest bankruptcy, three Mm -hmm. to four months, really from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. Um, The debtor is entitled to keep assets that are exempted. Any assets that are unexempted get taken by the trustee and sold to pay creditors. Uh, You have to be income qualified to qualify for a chapter seven and the income numbers are not as substantial a bar as you would ordinarily think. Okay. Um, you get offsets if you have secured liability, mortgage debt, things like that. Okay. Um, chapter 13 is loosely termed a wage earners bankruptcy. And that's because you can't really file a chapter 13 unless you have an ability to make payments moving forward for whatever the duration of the plan is. Now, there are a couple of tests with the Chapter 13. The most frequently termed um, test is you have to take your income less your necessary expenses. And we work hard to figure out what necessary mm-hmm. expenses are. Whatever's left it over. It doesn't mean Netflix, it doesn't, I'm guessing. Well, it, it can, it can really? mean a bit of entertainment, but okay. it doesn't mean, you know, $300 a month entertainment. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, what's reasonably necessary for a family of that mm-hmm. size? Okay. Sure. Um, and then what's left over is the disposable monthly income. That income has to be contributed for either three to five years. It's three years if you'll pay your creditors off in full, it's five years if you won't. So if your disposable income's $200 a month, or let's say $100 a month, you pay a total of $6,000 by the end of the 60 month plan, mm-hmm. and that gets divvied up amongst your creditors. The rest of the debt 
is discharged. Ah, got it. Okay. Got okay. It. Got it. So it can function much like a chapter seven. Sometimes it doesn't have a different, you know, it doesn't have much of a different number effect as, as far mm-hmm. as how much debt will be paid. It really depends on your income, but okay. it gives you an ability to do certain things that you mm-hmm. didn't have an ability to do okay. to in the chapter seven. She's got bigger story problems than we have. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> Wow. Okay. And then the chapter eleven is is not as commonly utilized. Part of that is because they're extraordinarily expensive. There are um, some consumer chapter elevens. You would file a chapter eleven if you exceeded the debt limits in a chapter thirteen. Okay. So the debt limits are fairly high. Um, you can, if you own two houses in mm-hmm. Washington with a lot of secured interest to the creditors, you probably don't qualify for a chapter thirteen. You might okay. exceed the debt limits, and that puts you in a chapter eleven. Functions for the individual, similarly to the 13. It's just more administrative and a little bit more expensive. Okay. Business filings, um, you can't fi- a business can't file a Chapter 13. Okay. A business can file a Chapter 7 or a Chapter 11. Got okay. it. Got it. So I have a question as it relates to, because you're mentioning like the trustees and the administrative costs and things like that. Um, I don't know if we'll have enough time in the two minutes we have left, but... Um, People who are trying to buy short sales and or distressed properties right now, they often ask us like, oh, what about auctions and bankruptcies and things like that? There's usually like a minimum, I think it's still 15000 trustee fee. Um, I don't know if you ever have to get involved in that, but I know when someone's selling a property through a bankruptcy, um, those fees, it's either a percentage or a minimum fee that is charged for the bankruptcy trustee for that sale. So I just want to throw that out there because that is a um, a cash payment. So sometimes people are like, oh, well, maybe I'll buy a distressed property and I'm maybe I'm a first-time buyer and I only have so much money. Well, chances are that's going to be too difficult for you to purchase because there's at least a minimum 15. In some cases, oh. it's $20,000 fee. Um, that's part of that administrative process you know, for that I, sale. I'm hmm. not familiar with that. What I can tell you is the trustees' fees are set by statute. Okay. And they get a percentage of mm-hmm. whatever recovery, and it's it's not usually that high. They get a percentage of whatever recovery they obtain for the estate. Oh, interesting. Well, maybe we should check those out together sometime because I know yeah. that's almost every property coming across and – in a short sale bankruptcy. Oh, it's short sale. Now it yeah. may be that the trustee is negotiated. If I'm going to mm-hmm. concede that you can have the asset to sell, that yeah. you're going to pay me X amount of money, but okay. that may be a negotiated point. Okay. Something we can follow up with. Yes. Well, Taryn, we really appreciate your being on the show today. And we're going to put your contact information up on mm-hmm. Reba's website at yes. team Reba. If anybody has questions for you down the road and uh, thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much. All right. And join us again every Tuesday at three o'clock for open house of team Reba. Have, Have a great a week. Thank you for listening to open house with team Reba to contact us. Visit team Reba at re slash max metro east side on facebook or email info at teamreba.com join us again next tuesday at three for more open house with team reba here on business radio 1300 kkol program sponsored by team reba of remax metro east side and eric osnes of home street bank home mortgage